Hey everyone, this is Sean and welcome back to episode 18 of the podcast. Today I'm really excited for my conversation with Brandon Harvey. Now, Brandon is someone I have a lot of respect for because of his dedication to sharing and putting out good news into the world. He and his team do that through a number of ways, which we'll talk about in the podcast, but primarily through the release of a monthly print newspaper called The Good Newspaper, filled with wonderful stories of the ways people are making a positive impact in society. In today's episode, we'll talk about how Brandon took his skills and passions and used them to create a career of purpose, how you and I can pivot from our natural tendency to consume negativity towards habits that inspire good in action, and the challenges Brandon found in bootstrapping a company designed for social purpose. So I'm really excited for this episode. So let's jump into my conversation with Brandon Harvey. Hey there, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm here with Brandon Harvey. Now, Brandon celebrates the good in the world. As the founder of Good, 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 he hosts the podcast Sounds Good. He's the managing editor of The Good Newspaper, a printed newspaper full of good news, and has built an online community over more than 500,000 world changers. He's been written about in The New York Times, The Washington Post, Men's Health and Forbes. And today I'm excited to welcome him to the podcast. So Brandon, thanks for being here. Welcome. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. Yeah. So I'm, I've been super pumped. I've been following you for quite a while. And it's funny. I think when I think of you, I think of like the early days of Instagram. I remember when I jumped on, I had two people who were on Instagram at that moment. And I think they just thought it was a photo editing app and they were publishing photos to Instagram that they didn't know they were publishing the internet. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was just an editor that yeah. happened to post it to the internet. Yeah, exactly. And then I remember uh, I began following not people I knew, right? Because people I knew wasn't on Instagram yet. So I started following people that were just interesting and interested in similar things than I was. And I remember stumbling on you at some point and following you for a long time. And I mean, since then, you've been able to really build that platform from Instagram. And essentially now you've built a media company that's focused on highlighting the good in the world. Did you ever imagine that when you downloaded Instagram that somehow you would wind up where you are now and essentially having a company that's built on sharing good news and sharing good stories? I had no clue. Like I had no clue what I was doing then. To be honest, sometimes I still feel like I have no clue what I'm doing now. <laughs> and I certainly wouldn't have predicted I am where I am at that point. But I do see a through line, which is that even in those earliest days of Instagram, my biggest passion was not the photo editing as much as I loved the filters. It was, what can you do with this tool to create a little bit more good in the world? And that's perhaps been the through line through every medium that I've gotten to play around with. And of course, with what we're doing at Good, Good, Good. Yeah. And I know your background is really in photography, right? Ever since I, I believe high school, right? You were... Yeah. I started my first photography business at like 15 or 16. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that background. I mean, obviously, before you really took Good, Good, Good and, and ran with this, you were really 
pursuing a career in photography. Tell us a little bit how you got started and how that brought you to where you are now. I think I started that creative journey in the same way that I think anybody with a creative bent does, which is that I was super interested in this thing. Like I, I saw photography on the internet and I was like, I wish I could create that. And then I had the privilege to have a high school that offered basically a camera that you could have for a year if you took a photography class. And so I took that class and I started to try to take those photos I saw online. And then I had the great experience of having a few older mentors come along and they were much further along in their photography journey. They were professional photographers. I was some punk kid hanging out on MySpace and Flickr. And they kind of mentored me through the process of, of not only how to use your aperture, your shutter speed, your ISO, but also how to use photography as a tool to make a difference, how to treat your clients, how to manage the business side of things, how to post and select your work for the internet. And so it was that early experience of getting to be an entrepreneur with honestly a lot of confidence because I really did feel like I was getting a masterclass from these older mentors I had. It was that early confidence that I think allowed me to start thinking outside the box on what future careers could look like. I knew that I didn't necessarily need to follow a traditional path. And so I didn't go down a traditional path at all. I just kept on trying to do creative stuff. I have a lot of friends that are photographers, right? And I know that there are various avenues that people take with their photography, right? Pursuing really creative work. And then there's the work that is still creative, right? But they tend to go into weddings, senior photography, those kind of things. I imagine you probably did an array of these things. And I know you ultimately, that took you to actually taking your camera around the world. How did that happen? Yeah. So kind of the biggest influence on my photography career is is my now good friend, Karen. She was one of those mentors. And she really instilled in me this idea that you know, if you're going to have this skill set, it's important that you use it for good because not everybody has this skill set. So not everybody can give the gift of powerful photos. So she set me up with experiences, essentially volunteering for nonprofits as a photographer when I was like 16. And that really stuck with me and I continued that work. And so when I moved to a bigger city, Portland, Oregon, after high school, I was surrounded by more nonprofits than I'd ever seen before. I'm sure there's some stat on like Portland having an overrepresentative <laughs> number of of nonprofits, yeah. and I love that. Definitely an overrepresentation of donuts, uh, and <laughs> less I love of that a problem too. with that. <laughs> no, not a problem. And so I just started continuing that work that she had kind of taught me to do, and because I was just really open to learning, I learned a lot about the world of social impact because leaders within these nonprofits would take me under their wings and, and just kind of talk me through the process of how things were working. And, and that really gave me an ability to really photograph the impact in a, in a really helpful way. There was an era, and I'm grateful that this era is largely behind us now, but there's an era where most nonprofit photography was photographing the sadness and using photos as a guilt trip to get people to donate. And I saw a few photographers that I admire, namely Esther Havens, who was using photography to capture the opportunity, the change that occurs when an organization, when an activist, when a, when a local community works together to move the needle for good and create a solution to problems. And when you photograph that end result, that deeper sense of hopefulness, 
I think that it just unlocks something so much more powerful in people. And ultimately, I would say leads to more... I think there's data to support this. Leads to more donations for nonprofits anyway. You don't need to rely on that guilt. And so fortunately, getting to work with these nonprofits, I really got to see kind of the inside lens of how they're working and got to document that experience to show ultimately donors and supporters and people on the ground what the impact of an organization could be. And so that ultimately led to, I think, me just building enough trust with enough nonprofits that they were like, hey, you know, we want you to document what's happening in Peru, Uganda, the Philippines, all these different spots around the world. And it was beautiful because every single place I went, I just got to meet local people in these communities who were seeing the problems facing the communities they served and were choosing to be on the front lines of creating a solution. They didn't have to do that. They were sacrificing to do that, but they were committing their lives to it. And it was really inspiring. And I just feel so privileged that I got to be there to witness that and to document those stories for an audience. Yeah. There's a bunch there. I mean, I love how you said that when you really began to cultivate this gift and talent for photography, that there was this like responsibility that you had. And people with any skill or talent, really, but especially in the visual arts, this responsibility to do it for some sort of better end and to do it responsibly and ethically, like with this photography that you're taking around the world. And I love that. And I know, I mean, I think we're often stuck looking at like what's before us and often what's in front of us is we tend to see the negative things and we tend to see you know the 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 bad and often when you go into these other countries that just don't have quite the privileges that we do you look around and you see bad so it's easy i imagine to photograph bad but you essentially looked for the good and you found the good in these photographs and it seems like that even maybe unlocked something in you where you're not just in another country, but even when you come home, you're not just looking for the bad, but you're looking for the good. Tell us a bit about, I know you a lot of your work surrounds about highlighting the good, even though our tendency is to pull towards what is bad and what's negative. Yeah. First, I'll say, I think, I don't think that other countries have inherently more things that look bad or, or feel bad than the United States. I just think that we are a little bit used to the bad things that happen in our own country. And so we maybe don't notice it. But you know the the reality is still there that I genuinely believe that there is so much good that goes under appreciated and under noticed and under celebrated, and it takes a lot of intentionality to do the inverse of that. Our brains literally have this internal negativity bias that means that bad news sticks to our brains and good news just slides right off of it. And it's why when you get 10 positive comments on an Instagram, but one person who kind of like says something shady in your DMs, what do you think about all day mm. long? It's not oh, yeah. those 10 people or the 100 people who hit the like button. It's that one negative comment. And the same goes with the news. The same goes with your day-to-day -day life. The same goes with what you see in the world. And so it takes some intentionality to overcome that. And and I'm grateful that you know I got to work with you know, nonprofits who believed in that idea of documenting the good. And it, you know, it took some extra intentionality for sure. And it was also an important part of my journey to start doing that in my own life, just with my outlook on the world. And, and ultimately that is what became my mission to help other people do that as well. So knowing a bit of, you know, your story and background, you began to take that mission that you've discovered and using your own personal platform that you've begun to build 
your own relationships and you really started to highlight the good in the world. And that really resonated with people. At some point, it sounds like you began to see there might be potential into really investing a lot more time into this and building essentially what now is a company. Who knows if you would have thought it was a company at that point, but you began to build good, good, good and sharing stories through good, good, good. At what point did you kind of begin to really lean in that direction and cultivate a lot more intentionality behind that? I think what it was, was I was really passionate about this idea of celebrating the good in the world. And then ultimately, not just helping people see that good and feel better about what's going on in the world, but that by seeing that, because I know this was true for me, that by seeing the good in the world, we would all recognize that change is possible, that better is possible, that even in heartbreaking circumstances, there are people working to create the solutions and that when those people do that work, like change happens. And that if we could support that work and join in that work, more and more and more would happen. So the goal was always helping people celebrate the good and then become the good. And I just started kind of practicing that in my own life and kind of sharing about that in my own life on my personal platforms, you know, under my name. And then I started to realize like, I am very interested in this. I really care about this. But somebody who doesn't like me, who doesn't <laughs> want to follow some like punk kid with weird hair on the internet should have access to these stories. And there's so much more than what I am getting to experience with, you know, just the limited number of opportunities I have to meet people. What if this could be bigger than just me? And so that was really the moment that Good 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 started, whether it, you know, had the official name or not. It was once it started to not be about me, I think it just became a little bit more of a of a an institution that people could like rely on and count on and less about like, hey, I know this guy who shares interesting stuff. It's like, oh, he, this is an organization, good, 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 that I can rely on to feel more hopeful and to do more good. Yeah. So I imagine as you began to take steps in that direction, you're beginning to see growth, right? You're seeing more people that you don't know their name. They're not just following on Instagram, but now they're following what I understand was a at first a newsletter, right? People were, you were writing the people online, sharing these stories, sharing this good. And it has kind of a trajectory after that, right? So for those of us listening who don't have the background of kind of the trajectory of how the good newspaper began, could you share a bit about that story and how this newsletter ultimately became something tangible that I personally get in my inbox? Yeah, great question. So ultimately, my goal was to celebrate good and share good, but I didn't have a huge budget. So I signed up for a free MailChimp account and I started sharing these good news stories via an email newsletter at first. And it grew really fast. And not because I was doing like marketing or anything, but just because people were like, oh my gosh, I needed this. I'm going to tell a friend because I know that they also need this. We've always described it as probably the best email you get all week because <laughs> oftentimes our inboxes are not filled with good things. So it's, it's a little bit easy. It's cheating, but it is true. And as that was growing, quickly realized, oh, this is something that people are interested in. And at the same time, was realizing that there are a lot of obstacles to overcome. One of those is that internal negativity bias where it's a lot easier to go and scroll the bad news on the internet than to intentionally seek out the good. Another thing was, I didn't really have that much money 
photographing for nonprofits, at least in, in my situation, didn't make me rich by any means. So I didn't have a lot of expendable income. Right. And then the last thing was, it's challenging to create something new that grabs people's attention, especially with an internal negativity bias online with no budget. And so it began the effort of, okay, how do we overcome these obstacles? And the big idea, <laughs> the big idea was, okay, so there's all these media companies out there who are like competing in the digital era now. They're all you know, starting websites. They are moving from... If they were a magazine or a newspaper, they're moving from print to online. And they are trying to move into this new wild, wild west of digital media. And they have way more money than me. So what if we do the opposite? What if we create a physical newspaper filled with good news? Call it the good newspaper. And see if that helps overcome some of those obstacles. Because one, there would be fewer people competing for that space because print media was <laughs> was closing up shop yeah. left and right. Yeah. Number two, when you see that and you're a millennial and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen a print newspaper in a long time, or I've never bought one before, or wow, that's a surprisingly beautiful print newspaper. Like it stops you in your tracks, which helps you overcome that internal negativity bias because you have to notice this thing. It kind of is solving all these problems at once, but it's still a gamble. So we decided to launch this on Kickstarter, knowing that if it doesn't reach its full funding, at least we're not out any money. And on the day that we launched the Kickstarter, I remember nervously pressing the publish button, assuming that this was going to fall apart and I was going to be very embarrassed <laughs> to be publicly launching something that fails. Because that's, oh, yeah. that's what it always feels like when you launch something. And within... I think it was 56 hours, we were fully funded. And then within 30 days, we had more than doubled our initial campaign goal. And that was what confirmed it for me that even though good news is up against a lot on a neurological standpoint, on a financial standpoint, on a cultural standpoint, there is a beautiful group of people in the world. Even if they're the minority of people, there's this beautiful group of people in the world who really care about celebrating good news and becoming good news. And maybe we had a role to play in supporting those people. Yeah, I love it. I think a couple things just to recap there, just for us listening, because there's a lot of people who have ideas and there's some mental barriers to getting started. And one, I think it's important to highlight that you got started with a free tool on the internet called MailChimp. That's very approachable for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a total <laughs> dummy. I had no idea what I was doing and I, I figured it out. And <laughs> so everybody else kid. Yeah. And then like second, I think people who look at maybe these campaigns on the internet, like the Kickstarter, and they look back and they say, oh, well, that person surely knew what they were doing and knew that they were going to get fully funded. <laughs> and I think it's important to hear that like hesitation and that fear of pushing the button, assuming failure. That's across the board. We all feel that. Uh, no matter how confident we are, you take that kind of leap and you you go for it and see the results and kind of follow it through. One of the things that I think that's super interesting to me too with the, the newspaper is that like I keep the newspaper. I don't know how many emails I've <laughs> yeah. I've kept. Right? It almost feels like like I I have this terrible habit. I don't throw away like movie tickets or like mm -hmm. concert ticket stubs. The problem is I don't collect them anywhere. They just kind of like are hovering everywhere, but I feel terrible about <laughs> throwing them out. But like you don't throw away the newspaper either. It's something that I want to like hold around and keep or there's beautiful artwork in there too. So like I want to like gift it to people or like put it on the wall. So to be honest, that's really intentional because we know that 
we don't want somebody to... I mean, it's super okay if you do this, but like our ideal goal isn't that somebody just sits down, reads the whole paper and gets rid yeah, of it. Like it. yeah. It's not a download of information. The goal is that you would have a little bit of good news in your life anytime that you need it and it's accessible to you. So we designed the front cover to be gorgeous so that you want to like leave it on your coffee table for when friends come over and your friends would pick it up. We want it to be beautiful so that you can Instagram it. And when you share it online, you share good news with your community. We put a, a centerfold poster with this gorgeous art. We have a different guest illustrator for every issue so that you can hang it up on your wall and continually be reminded. And there's some people who are framing it, putting it on their walls. There's teachers who have a dozen of them across their classrooms. There's people who have it as their decorations in their home. Like It's really, really cool. But the goal is just that because we're up against so much bad news all the time, if you can have that little reminder of good in your life, scattered around your house, kind of like your ticket stubs, then you're going to bump into them all the time. And you're going to continually remind yourself that there is good in the world and I can be a part of it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely, absolutely love it. So now you're at this point where you've successfully crowdfunded a campaign to produce a newspaper in a world where people are moving to like digital, right? <laughs> you've gotten to this point, And I imagine having that fully funded campaign was definitely encouraging. But what were some of the challenges that you began to see as you really began to build infrastructure around this platform that you're building? You know, now it's not just a MailChimp newsletter that you can publish when you want, but now you have a vendor, you know, to print these newspapers, you have probably a team that's being the build around you. What were some of the early challenges that you saw? Yeah, I'll say that in terms of like creating a physical newspaper, I did not know what I was doing at the beginning at all. There's no like ebook you can download <laughs> that explains how to print a newspaper in 2021. There's no YouTube video tutorials. I just had to do cold calls to like 75-year-old men who had been working in the newspaper industry for decades and try to explain like what Kickstarter was. <laughs> and unfortunately, eventually that worked. We had to learn this thing from scratch. And I think a lot of people who are trying to do something new that nobody else is doing experience that same thing of saying, okay, I, I can figure out this thing. I can figure out this thing. And then I'm going to scotch tape those two things together to make it work. So we right. learned so much through that process. And then the shipping, the <laughs> like journalistic side of things, all of that was a yeah. learning process. But that was the moment too, when I got to start hiring people. Like the week that Kickstarter finished, I was like, all right, I'm going to hire my first employee. And then we brought on a designer to bring the newspaper to life a journalist to run all the the words through and we we started to build this thing and in the beginning i really didn't think of it as a company still like i i guess we registered a company for like right. you know to make sure everything was above board but like i just thought this was a project this was just a thing that i was doing because i thought it would help people and it was like organized chaos you know we we were mostly fueled by just the excitement of getting to create this thing for a community that we knew would appreciate it. But we were just learning new things every single day. Mm. I love it. I, one of the things that I think is really exciting too is as you begin to bring on people on board to create this thing that you're doing, it's opening up these opportunities for people with their own skills and talents and, and things that they want to use for good and have a responsibility for using for good. So now you have designers maybe not designing for the agency that they worked at, but now they're designing 
this newspaper that is unlike anything they've ever designed before. And it's sharing good news and good stories. So cool. And I imagine and it was somewhat fulfilling to work with some of these creative people. Oh, yeah. I every day just pinch myself thinking about the caliber of talented people that I get to work with. And reality is we'll never have the budget to pay you know, what a startup pays. But I do hope that... I'll speak for myself and say, my experience is that it's such fulfilling work that I am so thrilled to get to do it. It feels like a privilege to get to do it. And my hope is to create a work environment that does the same for our team, that it feels like the most gratifying work of their lives. And also that people get to bring their expertise and their passions and their interests to the table. Because I think that's one of the most fun things is, you know, I've got things that I'm really passionate about. And I like to introduce those to the team and say, what if we, what if we share about this? What if we share about that? But the team gets to do that too and say, I really care about, about sports. Like I'm really passionate about sports. Can we do a sports edition of the good newspaper? I'm really passionate about body image work and work within the fight against ableism and and other things. Can we do the body edition of the good newspaper? And there's so many examples of things where it's like by bringing in other perspectives, by bringing in other people's passions and talents, like they're bringing this to the table. And, and we also get to do that with the help of our community too. All day long, members of our community, people who subscribe to the paper, will send in ideas and concepts on things that they would love to see us cover. We take those ideas super seriously and we get to integrate them all the time. And it's so exciting. Yeah. So that's, I think, probably the beautiful thing of you started this thing really as one guy with a camera and an Instagram account. And now as you begin to bring on team members, other people on board, one, there's, you know, the perspective shift that changes. It's not just a unified perspective of Brandon Harvey, right? But now it's Brandon and, and friends with diverse backgrounds and cultures and things and identities. And But I imagine there's also the challenge of when it was a one-person thing, you could function in the way that Brandon wanted to. <laughs> and now that you have other people on board, now you have to function as a cooperative entity, right? Like as this team of people building this newspaper. So do you want to share with us about how did you begin to structure your team and how did you begin to organize your work together? Because a lot of people listening, I imagine, are people who have a very similar story where it was them and now people are beginning to come on board and it, there's a little bit of uncomfort there. <laughs> you know, I'll speak for myself and say, I really can't think of any downsides to having more people on the team. Like the day that I hired my first employee, I just felt so like gratified in this experience of it's not just me anymore. It's a communal effort. And it, it actually just took a lot of pressure off and it felt more energizing and exciting for me. Of course, you know, it, it's, it just takes a little bit more time to communicate with people and to navigate a few like multiple ideas and perspectives. But like, I think it makes everything better at the end of the day. I can't think of a single instance where I wished that I didn't have that. Even if it's just a little bit slower or a little bit more hard, it's always worthwhile. And so I really love the experience of getting to work with our team. And, and I think we've just structured it. I think we're small enough that we've structured it in a pretty democratic way where everybody has a lot of say Everybody has a lot of autonomy and freedom to get things done however they want. And we just work together to figure out, you know, what are the timelines that we think are attainable for the goals that we have and how do we support each other in those processes? And it's really fun. And honestly, I think that the big thing is I came in thinking that 
I would have to be a boss in a very traditional way. Like I would need to read a bunch of books on how to be a traditional manager or things like that. And the further I get into running this company, the more I realize that I would love to subvert what a traditional company looks like. I would love to really rethink what is necessary and what isn't necessary for a company and really just make sure that the well-being of our team is above all else. The mission is next under that. And then we'll figure out the finances as you know one of those bottom level things. Because ultimately, I find that when we can focus on creating a good working experience and when we can focus on supporting our audience and supporting our mission, everything else kind of falls into place. At least that's been my experience so far. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really love the approach. And, you know, I'm of the opinion that right now, like 2021, it really, there hasn't been a better time to start something. And now you can start something and not play by the same rules as people were playing in the 90s or in the 2020s, right? Like you can run this thing how you feel, obviously within the structures that be right but you really have the autonomy and decisions to make you know for example your company equitable for all or you can make your company less hierarchical and uh you know more democratic like you said i think it's a really really cool opportunity so as people are listening today and they may have that idea or they may have that thing that they've been working on sort of as a passion project never imagined it was going to be a company or something beyond them right what would you say to those people today who may have been like yourself with your photography and storytelling and beginning to turn this into something? What would you say to people who are, they have that idea and they are looking to potentially start a company that has purpose and they want to get started today? What would you, what would you share? You know, I, I think there's probably a lot of different approaches to things, but I can speak from my experience, which is that you don't have to start the whole thing at once. Like you really can just start with... For me, it really was just starting with sharing Instagram posts that were a little bit different than what I'd been sharing before. And then it became getting that free MailChimp account. And then it became getting the opportunity to start a podcast. Sounds good. And then ultimately, that was when we decided to take that leap to start a good newspaper, but just on Kickstarter. Like all of those things were pretty low stakes and they built up to one another. And it wasn't until after the Kickstarter that we hired people. And it wasn't until after a successful year, actually two years, that we decided to increase the number of issues. And it wasn't until three or four years later that we even built a real website. And so, like, you don't have to start the whole thing at once. In fact, I would guess that almost nobody ever does. And those that do, don't feel super relatable. You know, like it's probably people with a whole bunch of venture capital money who, you know, it may or may not be successful. But if it's coming from a place of passion, like just take one step towards serving this mission that you feel called to. And then if that works, do it again. And if it doesn't, try something else. And and th- the other thing that I'll say too is. I really don't think that people are paying that much attention to you. <laughs> like I say this in the <laughs> nicest way, but like there was a day where my newsletter, 
went from being called the Brandon Harvey email party, because that's what we originally <laughs> called it, to be called the good newsletter. And yeah, sure, like some people noticed, but like a lot of people probably didn't even notice and they just kept on being glad that it was there. So if you decide to pivot, if you decide to try something new, or if you fail at something, we failed at a lot of things that I don't even remember and our audience doesn't even remember because we just kept on moving and did other things that didn't fail. If you just keep on moving, like the reality is it's it's not embarrassing. And it's it's all about just doing the thing because doing the thing is what is what matters. I don't know. And it's also like the critic who counts concept of like the only person you should really like take advice from is other people who are doing a thing because it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of work to do the thing. It's so good. I have a, a mentor that says this phrase that success is sequential, not simultaneous. And mm. I think that stuck with me. It's so important just to take like that next step. And if it's not the right next step, take another one. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's really, really important because I think some of us can uh, get held up from doing, creating really, really important work. But then we get overwhelmed. And instead of taking one step, we don't take any steps. Yeah. It, and it really is about the continued efforts of just continuing to do things. When I worked for myself just doing photography stuff, I always had the opportunity to do a new thing, to pivot to that, to shoot this instead, to have this new client or that new client. And I was never really committed to something. And when I started Good 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 and decided, I'm going to send this newsletter every week. I'm going to do this Instagram post every other day. I'm going to do this podcast every week. I'm going to make a newspaper every month. That slow consistency mattered more than anything else. It took a year probably after we started for people to like have us pop up in their head when they thought about good news because you just have to build that trust over a long time. And if we had just done it once and then tried it again later, like that trust wouldn't have been built and that mental acknowledgement wouldn't happen. And so really just like the act of continually trying things is what's going to help people recognize you for what you're doing and and want to join in and support it. Mm. I love it. Brandon, I wanted to first I want to thank you just for the work that you do, because there's a lot of people out there that are doing good work and there are people that are sharing good news and sharing good stories. Those stories are out there. But since you've began your platform, you're one of the ones that have stuck out to me. And when I think of good news, I think of the good newspaper. And especially over these past two years where there has been tension across our world, there has been some things that are kind of waking up to the public conscious of things that we need to be talking about. The good newspaper, the Instagram account, the things that you and your team are working on has really brought hope to me. So I want to personally thank you. But then thanks for being on the podcast. I know that what you're sharing here is super valuable to everyone listening today. And I hope it inspires someone to go out there and take a, a step towards doing something good in the world. And I hope there's stories that, you know, people can point back to maybe this episode and said, that's actually what inspired me and awakened something in me to go out and do the thing that I know I need to do. But as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share today? And people want to find you, find the good newspaper. Where do they, where do they find you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And, and before I share you know, how people can find us and get connected with us, I, I just want to say that I feel so grateful that I get to be a good, good, good because I get to celebrate the stories of people doing good and help those stories reach more people and help those people get connected with the people who are doing good. And so it's really, you know, the listeners to this show who are are thinking about doing good things, like I cannot wait 
to tell your story one day. Like I cannot wait to get to elevate what you're doing because it's the people on the ground who are creating things that solve problems and help people that are the real people like worth celebrating. And I just get to build something that helps people do that and to support a community who needs that. And so I feel very grateful to be this, this middleman like supporting all parties. And so thank you to everybody who's doing that. And for folks who want to get connected with that, who are thinking, oh my gosh, I I, I need some good news in my life and and maybe I need some some help getting involved in the issues that I care about. We just launched a brand new website. It's goodgoodgood.co. And oh my goodness, I'm so excited that it exists. We get to publish all of this good news content that to me feels so much different than anything else out there. Our goal is truly to leave people feeling more hopeful and better equipped to do good. And you can visit us at goodgoodgood.co. And you can sign up for our good newsletter, which is much better designed now than it used to be back when I ran it. And that's on our website as well. And that'll get you good news sent straight to your inbox every week, which is you know, still a delight. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll include everything that you just mentioned and anything that you've talked about in the episode in the show notes. So if listeners want to go in and take a look at the, the gorgeous new website, definitely do that. If they want to follow you on social media, definitely jump on to do that and connect with Brandon. Good, good, good. And the good newspaper. But again, Brandon, thank you so much. This was really, really fun to talk to you today. I'm excited for everyone to listen to this. And thank you so much. Appreciate this. Thank you so much, Sean. What a treat it was to speak with Brandon Harvey. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you're interested in the work that Brandon does, you can first jump right into the show notes and subscribe to Sounds Good which is the podcast that Brandon hosts. And then you'll also find all the links to the good newspaper and the website that has all the stories and the kind of things that you'll come to expect from good, good, good. And if this is your first time listening, I invite you to go ahead and click subscribe. Every single week we put out episodes with the goal to empower you with the tools, skills, and community you need to go out and make an impact. And if you have been listening and you haven't left a review yet, it would mean the world to me if you would jump into Apple Podcasts and iTunes and leave a short review and let us know what you think of the podcast. But thanks again for listening and I'll see you next week. 